All right, flip your bulletins back over. We are in a new series this week. We figure it's Christmas time, so we should talk about Christmas a little bit. And one thing I've noticed about Christmas as we start this new series, all I want for, for Christmas, is it seems like the expectations for Christmas are, are going up a little bit. Like, it seems like the game's changing. Since I've been a kid, stuff has changed. Like, even Black Friday has changed just over the last seven, eight two years, right? Like it's just getting worse. It seems like it's getting more dangerous. Uh, we can shop online now, which, which some people would say it's more convenient. I would say that's even more dangerous because when you can shop online, there's so many good deals you can find that you just keep spending. Kids' expectations are now through the roof. And just to give you an example, I read a, a, like a Santa note from, two, from 1913, and then I, then I Googled, let, let me get some, some notes to Santa from, from this year, like upcoming year. And so here's, a, here's an example of a note from a child in 1913, a little boy this is what he wrote he wrote dear santa claus will you please send me a box of paints and a nine cent reader that'd be awesome right and a school bag to put them in and if you have any nuts candy or toys to spare would you kindly send me some you will please a seven-year-old boy if you could do that i mean i know if you come to that at the table with your kids you're not pleasing a seven-year-old boy you pull a couple nuts out of your, your peanut thing, you put those in, a little hard candy from, from Halloween, you wrap them up, put it in their school bag, right? Like, my kids are going to be like, yo, what, did Santa die this year? What happened? <laughs> Here's a, a, a sample of this year's note from a, from a girl, and I don't know if it's because it's a girl or it's because we're getting worse, I'm not sure, but this little girl wrote, this little daughter, this little, she, she wrote, I'd like a new American doll of the year from 2013, a bead kit like my friends. And that sounds pretty reasonable, but the list continues. I'd like a little thing that can turn into anything at any time. <laughs> a thousand bucks, a new canopy that glows up, a grill. Her dad must have been over her shoulder right there. A black, a light blue, a green, a purple, and a pink North Face. A new radio, Monster High earbuds, and every beanie baby that's ever existed. A Justice Black peace sign jacket, Sage the American Girl doll, and an iPad Touch. A light up razor scooter that is the color blue. A pet puppy, and specifically, I would like a Border Collie with a peace sign collar and a leash. That is what I want. Go get it for me. <laughs> she needs to get whooped, right? <laughs> like the expectations for Christmas are changing. You ever hear the, the statement from people, they'll say, suicide rates skyrocket during Christmas time. You ever hear that? Like preachers typically say it usually is, it's usually like a buzzkill to your sermon and, and, and people are taking their lives, people. It's not, it's not necessarily true. Suicide rates during Christmas, they kind of stay the same. In fact, some people think that they kind of go down a little bit because it's such a time of, of hope. We have so much hope for Christmas, so much expectation for Christmas. Here, here's what I know about life is there's, there's a gap between experience, uh, what, you, what you expect and what you experience, and that's where disappointment lies. And for many people, what they experience and what they expect from Christmas are totally different. They, they expect all these great things to happen. Studies tell us that suicide actually rises starting January 1st. 
People make it all the way through Christmas and they go, here's all the things that I want. Here's all the hopes that I have. Here's all the movies that I want to watch. Here's all the things I want to do with my kids. I want to take them to this light show. I want to take them this. I want to buy this. We're going to take this many pictures, all this stuff. And then January 1st comes and the credit card bills start coming in and the trees have to come down and you got to take the real tree out and it makes a mess everywhere. You wish you could just light that thing on fire right there. You got to do it. and people's, their, their feelings start to become different. And then next Christmas will happen, and that starts about September 30th now, right? And maybe actually about August 30th. And, and it starts to build, and then, and then we, we experience it, actually, and we're always kind of filled with, with disappointment. You ever been there where you have, like, kind of high expectations for things, and then they don't really pan out? A few years ago, we took our kids. We only had two then. We should have stopped at two, and so we took two kids to... I'm just kidding, by the way. We, should have, we, should have, we, we have two kids, and we took them to Philadelphia to, to a hotel. You ever have, like, a, a plan as a parent? You're like, this is going to be awesome. Like, they're going to, it's going to be incredible. We took our kids down to Philadelphia. We stayed in a high-rise hotel. Uh, we, we swam in the inside pool. It was the middle of February. We went in the hot tub. We, we ordered pizza. We, had, we ate junk food all night. I mean, for, for Carter and Lincoln, this was a dream come true. We watched movies. Uh, we, 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 we had an awesome time, right? And so I was like, this was incredible, and this was fun. We should make this a family tradition, Right? Anytime you do something more than once, it always, always ends up bad, right? Like, you should just leave it as a great memory. And so the next year, we're like, let's take them again. They were five and three, and let's take them, and let's stay in a little hotel with them, and let's go high-rise. So we, we, we rented a hotel, an even nicer room this time, and we were going to go to Max Brenner's Chocolate Place, and we, went, we, were, we had all these kind of thoughts in our heads, and we took them down there, and we ended up going to Max Brenner's, and, and, and I wanted to kill them in this chocolate place, and they were whining about everything, and they were whining about walking. We walked like one block. You ever been there with your kids? They're like, my legs are hurting. I'm like... We were walking a block, bro. What if we were in Africa? They don't have cars. And so anyway, like, we walked and we, we came back to the room and, and the pool was like not as good as the first pool and they were, it just smelled like chlorine and they were annoying and we went into this room and it was like going to be this exciting time of this night and, and they just drove us nuts all night and we have never gone back uh, again, right? Like we've never gone back again. Like that, that is done. That's a memory. We're going to put it on our Christmas tree on a little bulb and we're never going to go back to it again. You ever been there where you like have all these expectations and then the experience is like, eh. Like that for me is Christmas a lot of the times. You have, you have all these expectations and all these things you want, and all these things you want for your kids. And then Christmas passes and you're like, eh. And I started thinking about this as we, we go through this season. And here's what I want you to remember. What if everything you wanted for Christmas is not going to be found in another present but it's going to be found only in the presence of Jesus. What if everything you were looking for, whatever you believe today, what if I told you everything that you're looking for? For us, for me, I'm looking for a little hope. For me, I'm looking for a little momentum. For me, I'm looking for a little peace around the holidays, if you know what I'm saying. For me, I'm looking for a little bit of, of, of closure, of issues that I've dealt with through this, through this year. Maybe forgiveness, and maybe some bitterness, and maybe some family issues, and maybe, maybe some financial issues. Because I know some years, it feels like everything breaks in your house. And so maybe I'm looking for that. And what if everything that I was really looking for was truly only found in what Christmas was, was ultimately about. And so for the next four weeks, we're going we're gonna to land in a, in a passage in the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah is what, what, the, what people call a prophetic book. It's full of prophecies that, that would one day come true. I don't know if you've ever studied kind of the prophecies in the Bible, but they're, they're amazing. Like one of my favorite ones, and I'm not going to get into all of them today, but one of my favorite ones, because Jesus died on the cross, uh, and there's a prophecy 800 years before Jesus died on the cross that he would actually have his hands and his, his feet pierced, 
and, 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 and hang on a cross, and this wasn't even in existence at that point. Like this was 800 years before the Romans even started doing this. So there's all these prophecies about this coming Messiah. There's all these things. Like there's one prophecy that says it's 700 years before he's born. He's going to be born in a town of Bethlehem. Like this random nobody town. He's going to be born in, in Bethlehem. That would be like me standing up and saying, yo, in 32 years, uh, this really important person is going to be born in Royersford or Phoenixville or, or Boyertown, right? Or something like that. Like you'd be like, that's so random. That doesn't make sense. So Isaiah has all these prophecies about Jesus, and in Isaiah 9, I think it's one of the most important prophecies about the coming of Christ. In verse number 6, it says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. I think that's really important when you understand Jesus and Christmas and the church, is God is giving something to us. He's not taking something from you. I think a lot of people think that, like, I'm going to come to God, and he's going to take my fun, and he's going to take my life, and he's going to require everything, and going to steal my joy. And the Bible's saying, no, God's offering you true joy, true happiness, true contentment so coming to give us something the government will rest on his shoulders thank the lord right and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace i think that is such a powerful description of everything we're looking for from christmas he's going to understand us in a way nobody else could understand us you're worried about life he's going to be that mighty god you you, you never had the dad you have daddy problems, issues with your father. He's the everlasting father. He's a father that outlasts the messed up father that you, you had. And ultimately, he offers you what we're all looking for, a little peace. He's the boss of peace in your life. So I want to stop right here, and I want to focus on wonderful counselor. If, if you study Hebrew, which I don't, and if you understand Hebrew, which I don't, I just Google it, is wonderful counselor in, in Hebrew is Pele, I want you to get this, and that's not the soccer player, that's, that's Pele. You ready for this? Yoez. The word Pele in, in, in Hebrew actually means uh, without words. He's going to be so good, there's not even a word that I can use to describe him these hundreds of years before he's going to come. That's how good he's going to be. Like he's going to be that good that I'm not even going to be able to put the words onto the page. He's going to be a without words or undescribable, and then counselor means guide. In other words, if you feel lost in your life, he's going to be everything you need to lead you on the right steps. I've always told you that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And if the life you're living is anything but a God-sized miracle, then you're settling and you're not being led by the wonderful counselor. One of the biggest struggles in our lives is listening to the wonderful counselor. There's also great blessing in there. Now, I don't know much about counseling. If you've, if you've been here any amount of times, it's probably the least favorite or least good thing um, thing that I'm good at in my life is sitting down and, and counseling people. There's some people that are really good. My wife is, a, is really good at counseling people. And I think girls typically are because they like to, to talk a lot. And so, uh, and they like, they're better listeners and, you know, and they're just better at that. Guys are kind of like, you know, what's wrong with you? Well, I got all this, just, just change then. <laughs> like, just stop. Right? Like, that's, is that guys in this place at Limerick Camp? You just, if you ever have a conversation with your wife and she, you're like, what's wrong with her? And she starts to explain all of her feelings. What do you say? Well, just stop being like that right now. Never, I've been married 12 years. Never works, right? Like, a lot of times, females just want to listen. And so maybe she should go to the wonderful counselor. And so anyway, like, I don't know much about counseling. But what I, what I do know is I've been to one counselor, a pre-marriage counselor, 12 years ago in this woman's house. She came with a 
with a credible referral from, from our church that we worked at. And so we, we were getting married and, uh, and, and they said, you should go to pre-marriage counseling, which I think is always a good idea. And so go to pre-marriage counseling. And so we went to a professional counselor. It was at this lady's house in, in Oklahoma. And I don't know, remember her name. I hope she never watches this, but we, we, we walked into her house, she took us back to this room uh, in, in the middle of, of, of her house, and she sat us down, and she counseled us for, for six weeks or something like that, and the only thing I could ever see is she really liked Carmack's uh, lip gloss, and so she just, every time before she counseled, she would just sit down, we would sit down on her couch, you ever been to a counselor, and she would just pop the, the Carmax out, and she would just dab her finger, and she would just wipe it all over <laughs> I mean, her finger, like it was, it was I, the first week I was like, what is she doing, and she just put it all over her finger. And then she would say, so, so tell me how you feel, right? And she would just sit, and, and my whole thinking was, wow. <laughs> so we went through like six weeks of this, and, and as a guy, I, told, I think I've told you this story before, like, I want to talk about important things in counseling, like, like how she wasn't going to spend a lot of money, like how we were going to budget, how many times we could expect to be intimate a week, if we could sign a contract for, for that, if we... You know, if, you know, if there were certain things. And so we went through the whole thing and we talked about this, 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 and this. And last week I'm like, okay, this is the week we're going to talk about sex. This week is going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. We're going to sign contracts and all stuff. And the last week she puts us, sits us down and, and, and she says, okay, I'm going to teach you guys this breathing exercise. Like, I'm like, what? <laughs> so she sits down. She says, close your eyes and you lean back. She puts this music on, turns the lights off, dabs her Carmex on. Because I was peeking. I'm like, what's this girl doing? Sits us down. Says, count down from 100. So we count down from 100. She's counting down from 100. She's pretending we're going down this, 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 this elevator shaft. And she's counting down. And she's saying, you're getting real relaxed. And, you know, 99, 98, 97. We're like 30 minutes of this garbage. And I'm just sitting there going, you know, in my head I'm thinking, is, is, has she Carmaxed up yet again? Or is she, she's still good? And so we get down to 10. And then she says, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. And then she says, just sit there now that you're completely relaxed. And literally me and my future wife, we didn't want to open up our eyes because we didn't want to make her feel bad about how stupid this exercise was. So we just sat there and sat there and sat there. Finally, we opened up our eyes and she, she told us, open up your eyes. We left. And I was like, why did you keep your eyes open? She says, I didn't want to be the first person that was going to open up my eyes. So I kept my eyes closed because I knew you were going to keep your eyes closed. And we just came to the conclusion that we were thankful that this was done. And she was not a wonderful counselor. So I want to talk to you about that today because I think it's really important. I think, understand, because I think when you think of counseling, you can go one of two ways. You can go the one way you're like, man, I don't like counselors. They want me to sit on a couch. They want me to say my feelings. They want me to talk about things I don't want to talk about. And other people are like, I love counseling. I love talking to people. I love when somebody listens to me. I love pouring out my soul. And I love doing all that. And I, and I think maybe we should understand what this means because it's really significant for maybe what you're looking for in your life. Here's what I know three things about about a, what I would consider a wonderful counselor, or without words, or unable to describe how good they would be counselors. Number one is I know that a good counselor creates a safe environment. Like, I didn't feel that safe when she asked me to close my eyes. She was putting a Carmex on. <laughs> but the truth is, is a good counselor creates a safe environment. If I were to say anything about the life of Jesus, because the Bible says that the way we know God is through Jesus. So if you ever have somebody who tries to argue about God's character and God's qualities and they don't match up with the qualities and character of Jesus, then they're probably arguing outside of who God is. The Bible says in John 1 that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. That's the story of Christmas, that God came to us. He's not far away from us. He's not off in the distance, that God is right here with us. And we can completely understand his love for us through Christ. 
And the one thing I would say is if you read the gospels, you'll hear Jesus often do things and, and, and be involved in situations that didn't make sense unless he was the wonderful counselor. Like there's one time where he's hanging out with, with sinners and, and bad people and the church people come to him and they say, Jesus, don't you know who you're hanging out with? Don't you know how dirty they are, how unclean they are, how messed up they are? And Jesus says, very frankly, because he's the wonderful counselor, I've come for sick people, not healthy. Like the church is for sick people. Did you, do you know that church? The people you see that you're like, dang, like they're jacked. Jesus is going, that's who you're supposed to invite to Christmas Eve with you. Like that relative that you just saw at Thanksgiving that you're like, listen, the carver that I had in the turkey, if I could, I'm just saying. If I could take you out and put you somewhere and never see you again, I might. Jesus is saying, that's who I want right here. The dad and the mom that really hurt you and really have made you bitter, Jesus is saying, that's who I want in my church the same way I want you. Why? Because I'm the wonderful counselor and the wonderful counselor has created a ridiculously safe environment church is supposed to be the safest place on earth disney world is the happiest place and church is the safest place and what i know is for too long because we don't understand fully the wonderful counselor we've made church a very sterile place we've made church a very fake place we've made church a place where, where plastic people come and worship some unknown god and where nobody gets saved and we just kind of eat and hang out and it's a very sterile place where we honestly we can't even really be ourselves we can't even really talk about what's really going on we can't even really we have to keep that smile on i know because i'm like this a lot i haven't been to the gym for like six months i don't know if you can tell or not but when i was going to the gym I think I told you this story before. There was this one time where, where we, were, we were on the squat machine. And, and, and some of you are like, if you were on a squat machine, you weren't squatting. I'm 34. We were squatting on a squat machine. And so, because real weightlifters, they don't use a machine. They just put the, put the thing, and they just, you know, squat like a million pounds. But we were on the squat machine. And it's this little bar that goes up and down, up and down, you know, up and down. You see that? Up and down, like that. And, and, and then you click it, right? And when you click it, it's safe. You can walk away. And so because the mirrors are facing this way, and I need to see what I'm doing, right? I need to see my progress. I need to see what I look like. I need to see all that. Instead of facing the right way, which would be back here and, you know, up and down uh, and clicking it, we were doing it this way so we could see the mirrors. So because we're vain and we could click it back like this. And so me, it was Ian, me, and John. We were all on these machines. I bet we really look cool, you know, three pastors. Look at us over there. And, you know, going and, and we're, 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 we're doing this and, and, and we're getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And, and, you know, and by heavier, I mean we're at like the 45 pound on each side and not eating, but me and John, we're just kind of doing it, and, you know, we're going down, and, and, and I mean, this, this is hurting me right now, going like this, and we're going down, and I was getting tired, and, and, and I was going down, and I came back up on one of my last sets, and I was going to click it back like this, and I went to click it, and I must have walked away before I clicked it, and so I went to click it like this, and I started walking away, now John and Ian are on the sides of me, now, you don't ever want to embarrass yourself in the gym, if you know what I'm saying, guys and girls, and so I went to click it, and it started going backwards, and I was like, oh, snap, right, like, like literally my back was about to snap. And so I let it go and, and I, had, I, had, I had to think, what am I going to do? Am I going to hold it and like and beast mode this thing back up? Am I going to go with it? And so it kind of decided for me that I was going to go with it. And so I just <laughs> fell backwards on my back, right? Bang, it makes a lot of noise. If it was Planet Fitness, they would have been putting the lunk alarm off. <laughs> so Ian jumps off his thing and, and John and, they, and they're like, are you all right? And, and I, had, I, had, I, had, I had a choice to make. Was I going to cry? Because literally, when your back doesn't bend this way, right? 
Somehow my legs got out. You're going to cry and be embarrassed and red, or are you going to you know, shake that off and be like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm go, I'm go to the locker room, I'm fine. I got to get a drink. I went with option number two until I got home that night. And I was like, Leah. Because you know if you're, if you're a guy, you like try to milk all that stuff. Like, I got hurt today, baby. <laughs> and the truth is, like, I struggle with that stuff because I struggle with anybody really actually knowing what's going on inside of me. And for some reason, that's how church has become. Well, these, aren't, these aren't mine. I bought these last night. My kids don't have these. But these are, these are Barbies. New, new school Barbies. You got hipster, hipster Ken with the skinny jeans on. and the, He actually looks a lot like John Decker. If you look at him, he got the same shoes on. I thought when I bought this, I'm like, that looks like John. And then, you know, you got this Barbie. And I thought to myself, this is exactly how people are. You got, you got, you got Barb. She comes to church. She's, she's beautiful, supermodel. She wears mini dresses in the summer. I mean, the winter, she's, she's just mini dressed it out. She comes every week. She has three kids. She doesn't have any stretch marks. Her husband, he's a lawyer, accountant, scientist, Nobel Peace Prize winning. They sit right over here on the, on the right side. They look perfect. Her kids are perfect. They come to church week. Their hair is actually done. All of them have their teeth brushed. They've eaten a full course breakfast. Like Barb is, is legit. Every time somebody asks Barb how she's doing, she just smiles and says she's blessed. Look at my kids. They're perfect. Look at my husband. He's perfect. Look at my legs. They're perfect. Truth is, Barb, she struggles with her identity, and the reason we know she struggles with her identity is because she's constantly trying to flaunt her identity to the world. She's fishing on Instagram. She's posting pictures. Every time her kids smile, she has it up there. And the truth is, when people ask her how she's doing, she's really not doing good. She either has an eating disorder or she has a hard time with her identity because she had a hard time with her father because she didn't have a wonderful father growing up. And so she struggles with her identity. And, and the truth is she really needs, she needs a wonderful counselor. She needs somebody who's everything that she's looking for in this world. She comes to church and she smiles, but she's plastic. And then you have Ken, Hipster Ken. Hipster Ken, he's every guy's dream of what they want to be. Tight jeans, chiseled chest. Nice shoes, perfect hair. Been married a couple times. Now that he's not married anymore, he just lives it up on the weekends, meets girls, goes on social media. You know, girls think he's hot all the time. They swipe left or whatever that's called. And I don't know what that new thing is. John was explaining it to me. Swipe left or swipe right. And he hooks up with girls. He comes to church every week. He sits over here on the left. But he comes to church. But, but, but he looks like that. And everybody's like, man, that dude is Awesome. Truth is, he's hurting on the inside, and no one really knows it. He's sad because he never can keep a relationship going long, a long time. He has a hard time opening up. He deals with a lot of insecurity, and really nobody knows him. And I thought to myself, how many people in my church are, are these people? How many people in my church that come here, just the letter listener, how many people are going to listen online? Do you feel like nobody really knows you? There's no safe environment. The truth is, the story of Christmas as if there's a, a God that has created a completely safe environment for us to be failures. He's created an environment where we don't have to be perfect. That while we were still sinners, that long before you ever thought of, of him, he was thinking of you. 
And, and, here, and he's all right with the dirtiest parts of your life. He's all right with the messiest parts of your life. He's all right with where you're at right now. He just won't leave you there. He's that good. Like the struggles you have with your family, your friends, the things you deal with, the things you cry about, he sees it all and he's still there because he's a wonderful counselor. In fact, listen to this verse of promise from Psalms 62. It says, trust him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts in his presence. In other words, when you're at church, you should be pouring out your hearts. And then check this out. I love this because he is our our refuge. Another verse that says he's an ever-present help in a time of, of need. A good counselor creates a safe environment. Here's another thing I know about a good counselor is a good counselor speaks from experience. You ever been around those people that, that they want to tell you how to do things even though they've never done things? Like you ever, you ever have a kid for the first time and you're like the first person in your clique to have kids and like your kid is, is acting out and you have friends that don't have any kids and they want to tell you how you, they're gonna, how you should parent? You ever been around those people? And your, your prayer is, I cannot wait till you have a kid someday. And I pray they are the worst kid ever. So that my kid looks like a saint compared to your kid. I don't know how to turn this kid off, but you don't either. You ever been around the person who's out of shape that always wants to tell you how to be in shape? That was Dr. Phil for a while, you know what I'm saying? They got all this advice, all this wisdom. You ever been around somebody who wants to give marriage and relationship advice, but but's not even married? We're going to call her Oprah. Advice from Hollywood about how to have happiness and joy while most people there are throwing up and and can't eat because of the image they have to obtain and can't stay married and can't stay off drugs and all this other stuff. Like we do this a lot. But what I know about a good good counselor is they speak from experience. I was asked a few weeks ago, what is the worst mistake that you ever made as a pastor, as a young pastor? I said, when I was 26, I was just newly starting a church. I did a parenting whole parenting series. I never even had kids, never thought about kids, didn't even like kids at this point. But I did a parenting series in which I stood up in the the pulpit and I told everybody how crappy of parents they were. It went over awfully. Flash forward almost nine years later and now I have three kids and I know how ridiculous it is to parent. And so when I preach a sermon about parenting, I preach waving the white flag with you. There's a difference. It was received different. And the thing I know about Jesus and the thing I know about good counselors is they always speak from experience. And that is why I love Christmas. Because you don't have this God in heaven who's looking down saying, you guys need to get happy. You need to get content. You need to get free. You need to get better. You need to get all this stuff. The Bible says that we have a high priest, which is Jesus, that understands us because he experienced everything we're going through right now. He would come and he would suffer and he would die and his life would end the way that your life should have ended so that your life doesn't have to be a result of what you've experienced, but it can be changed because of what he did for you. That's the message of Christmas. It is everything that you're looking for. A good good counselor, a wonderful counselor, they speak from experience. And here's what I know, number three, as I close is, is a good counselor gives you advice, right? Like, at the end of the day, they're going to be like, well, here's, here's four or five things you should do. If you're having marriage problems, maybe you should spend time with your wife and do this, do that, do that, blah, blah, blah. But the results are always in your hands still. You ever notice that? Like, like, the results are still left up to you. But the truth is, I'll take it one step farther, and I'll say the wonderful counselor, he's your answer. Like, a good counselor gives you advice. The wonderful counselor, he is the answer. It'd be like this. You sit down with the counselor. Let's just say you are in serious gambling debt. Let's just throw that out there. 
Your wife doesn't even know about it. And so you go to a counselor, your wife doesn't even know. And, and you look at your counselor and he, he sets the table. He creates a safe environment. He's a good counselor because of all he experienced. He's had family problems. He's had work issues. He's been sick before. He's suffered. He's solid in his faith with Christ. She's solid in her faith with Christ. And so they're talking to you and they're giving you sound wisdom and sound doctrine because they've experienced it before. And they know God is ultimately the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. He's everything you're looking for. So you begin to talk and you, you begin to tell them, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with... Uh, uh, gambling. Bad. He says, well, tell me about, she, tell me about what you're going through. Well, I got, I got myself into real bad trouble. I've gambled away all of our savings. I thought I could hit it big and I did it. My wife doesn't know about it. My kids aren't going to get any Christmas presents this year because we don't have any money. I'm about to tell my wife. She just has no clue. She's going to leave me. And he says all this stuff. And then he says, okay, 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 okay. Close your eyes. And he takes his car mask. He puts it on. And he starts the elevator thing. 99, 98. And you, you're like, no, nah, no, we need to talk about this. We need to figure this out. I need to leave town. I need to, I need to do this. And he's like, just calm down. He counts down from 100. He's like, you're in the elevator, clicking down. He's making you breathe. And you fall asleep. Like, you're out. And the counselor gets up, puts his coat on, and he leaves. And he goes to find the bookie. He says, I'm counseling so-and-so. They told me they have a debt that they owe you. They said you want to break their legs. They're afraid of what they're, they're afraid. I know that they deserve all that they're going to get, but I'm here to pay the price. So the bookie looks at the counselor and he says, what? He says, I'm here to pay the price. So break my legs, beat me up, punch me in the eyes, do whatever you need to do. So the bookies then go, okay, we're going to take it out on you. They break his legs. They punch him in the eye. They, they take everything from him. They leave him beaten and stripped and naked and cold and whatever else. All the time you're sleeping. You're on elevator, floor number 37 thinking about what life could have been and then some time passes he goes to the hospital he gets his cast on he comes walking through you wake up because you hear the door he comes walking through and you're like what happened to you your debt's paid what your debt is canceled you owed you owed your life your marriage was going to fall apart your your kids weren't going to have what they were supposed to have you were a product of stupidity which by the way is you and me but I paid your price. Look, here's my scars. Essentially what Jesus says to each one of us that know him. Here's my hands. Here's my feet. Here's the side where I was stabbed. Here's my back where I was beaten for you. And the debt that you owed, I paid. And it is finished. The life that you are called to live, the answer is found in me. The hope that you're looking for is found in me. Everything that you look for on this earth is always found back in Jesus. It's when we turn away from Jesus that we get in trouble. Everything. The forgiveness that you're looking for, Jesus. The direction you're looking for, Jesus. That relationship with the opposite sex that you're looking for. Which sometimes as a pastor, I stand back and I go, what is wrong with you? It's Jesus. There's no woman and there's no man that is going to complete you. That is Hollywood. They don't know anything. Marriage is not your chance to have every need met just so you know it's your chance to serve. Just like coming to church is your chance to serve because we're always great and we're always the most like Jesus when we serve. The answer is always Jesus. It always comes back to Jesus. Every message we preach, you have a marriage problems, it's Jesus. You're addicted, it's Jesus. 
you have anger issues, it's Jesus. He's created a safe environment for you to come and be yourself. And here's the thing, he already knows who you are anyways. He's experienced everything you've experienced. He doesn't understand me. Yes, he does. He understands your temptation. He understands your failings. He understands your pain. He understands your suffering. He understands your abandonment issues. When he was about to go to the cross, everybody left him. Why? So that we could be okay when everybody abandons us because Jesus came out on top. He is the answer. He's your answer today this Christmas. Your expectations and your experience are not going to match up and you will be disappointed if you walk through another season without having a relationship with Jesus. But I promise you, every New Year's resolution you make Every promise you make yourself will never match up with the new life that Jesus will give you going into 2015, with the freedom that he'll give you, with the hope that he'll give you, with the forgiveness that he'll give you, with the baggage that you'll be able to let go and stop carrying through life, because he'll take it from you. Would you stand up with me all over this house? Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? Would you just begin to pour your heart out to the wonderful counselor right now? He's here. He's here right now at our Limerick campus as Pastor Tyler's in the front. For those watching online, you just begin to pray. He's here right now. He was here during worship. You know it. If you were here in the Limerick campus, you know it. The Bible says where two or more are gathered, that he is there. And he is the answer. The message that we preach, there's no power in the message without the answer being here. Are you disappointed in life? Are you tired of being tired? Are you angry? Are you bitter? Are you resentful? Are you a victim? How many times do you say, my life would be so much different if I had different family, if I had different circumstances? Are you a victim? The Bible says that you are no longer a victim in Christ, that you are more than a conqueror, that your past is not determining your future, but Jesus will. Jesus will. And while you were in your lowest, that he died for you. And he's okay with whoever you are right now. He's okay with whatever secrets that you have. He just loves you enough to not leave you there. Your marriage is falling apart. Jesus is the answer. Your finances are a mess. You're always stressed out. Jesus is the answer. He's always the answer. But pastor, I'm scared. Jesus pastor I'm worried there's going to be judgment his name is Jesus he's come for the sick he doesn't judge you've already been judged you've already been condemned your sin has already saved you a place in hell the payment of it will never be paid by you but he finished your work he finished your debt he paid your price and the answer for this season the expectations for this season they're Jesus I'm not sure how you got here today I'm not sure what you believe. I'm not sure what you've been through. I'm not trying to belittle it and say it wasn't a big deal. But I know how good Jesus is. And the Bible says if you would confess with your mouth and you would believe in your heart that Jesus not only came 2,000 years ago, but he died. Lived on this earth 33 years and he died on a cross. An innocent man. And the Bible says when he died, he took the place of you and me. That the way his life ended should have been the way that our life ended. Abandoned, alone, afraid, fearful. He was put in a tomb and on the third day, he rose from the dead. Not only did he die in your place, but he rose 
so that your life could be different, so that eternity could be promised to you, so that hope could be real, so that the peace that surpasses understanding could be the gift that he gives you. And he is here right now for you. Maybe you've been coming here for a while. Maybe you just need to pray, God, I've been walking away from you. God, I need a wonderful counselor right now. God, I need you in my life. You're the answer to everything going on. Or maybe you've never been here before. Maybe you've never heard the message of Jesus. There's a God that came to you right now in your midst. And he loves you. It's not because you're good. And the only thing you need to do is just like a present being handed to you. Is you need to reach out and you need to grab it right now. You need to take hold of every promise that he promised you. Jesus, I need you to be the Lord of my life. I need the wonderful counselor. This is a safe environment. I am broken. I am tired of being broken. The Bible says, if I come to you, if I'm heavy and weary laden, you will give me rest. And so right now, I need rest. I need peace. I need hope, Jesus. That's you in this place with nobody looking around at a Limerick campus. You say, Pastor, that's me. I need the wonderful counselor right now. I need the Prince of Peace. I need the everlasting Father. I need the mighty God. I need him right now. He's the answer. I believe he's the answer. Just all over this house, if that's you, you say, you know what? I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life right now. Would you simply just place your hands up in the air and say, you know what? I'm going to pray with you as we close, Pastor. Out of Limerick Campus, if that's you, would you simply just put your hand up in the air and say, you know what? Right now, I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. That this season right here, I'm not going to let it pass. I'm not going to put expectations on things that that are going to leave me disappointed. But I'm going to put my trust and my hope in Jesus. If that's you right here in this moment. I see a hand right here. If you could just keep your hand up high so that I can see you. I want to pray with you as we close. Does anybody else say, Pastor, that's me at a Limerick campus. I see a hand all the way in the back. I'm going to wait a couple more moments because I believe the Holy Spirit is moving in this place. At a Limerick campus, if that's you right now, in this holy moment, Jesus, be the Lord of my life right now. I'm going to respond to you. I'm going to take this gift. It's going to change my life. Does anybody else say, Pastor, that's me, church. You should be praying for these people right now. I know that you hear this every week, but this is not normal. The Bible says heaven stops and rejoices. Our town stopped in Phoenix yesterday because a bird was burnt down prematurely. I understand it all and I get it all, but the truth is that what we're doing right here is much more important. And when somebody who is far from Christ comes into his presence and he changes them, church, you should be praying, you should be celebrating, tears should be flowing down your face. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. I want to become part of the family of God. I want to know Jesus today. At a Limerick campus, watching online, just begin to pray. Church, would you pray? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for being here. We thank you for everything that you do, Lord. Our church is only about your presence. We will always only be about your presence, Lord. And I thank you for the message of Christmas, Lord, that in the midst of all of this craziness, that the real message is that there's a God that came after us. Emmanuel, God with us. I thank you, Jesus, for what you did. I thank you for coming. I thank you for living. And I thank you for dying and raising from the dead, Lord. And I thank you that it's through that message that we have hope, we have forgiveness, we have a new life, Lord. So I pray for those right now. They're praying simply with their mouth. Jesus, I love you. And I thank you for being my savior. I thank you for reaching me right here in this moment. And I thank you that you're giving me a gift that I can never lose because I didn't earn it right now. And Jesus, you're going with me the rest of my life. I believe you're filling me up with your power, the same power that conquered the grave. It's going to live inside of me. And Jesus, you're going to begin to change me. You're going to change my mind. You're going to change my words. You're going to change my action. You're going to change my marriage. You're going to change my workplace. You're going to change my demeanor. You're going to change the way that I think and the way that I see and everything else, Jesus. 
Jesus, you have a new plan, a new purpose for me, Jesus. You're going to do immeasurably more what it says in Ephesians that I could ever ask, dream, or imagine for your glory. Lord, we leave this place with hope. For those of us who know you, Lord, let us never forget that you don't love us because of what we've accomplished or will accomplish this week. But you love us because we're yours. You love us because we're yours. Lord, we don't do things to earn your approval, but we do things because of your approval. We don't obey you because we're trying to get you to love us, but we obey you because we know you have a great purpose and plan for our lives. So let, let us leave this place and let us be obedient, Lord, as we go into this, this world, Lord, as a church. Lord, we have six days that you will bless us with if you choose fit, Lord, to reach this world. So I thank you that every conversation that we'll have, that every breath that we take, that we'll keep that in mind, though, that the only reason we're breathing, the only reason we're going to work, the only reason we have the family that we have is to make a difference for you. I thank you for what you're going to do in our church during the season of giving, Lord, that we're going to be a people that give, Lord. We're going to show up on the 24th like we always do, ready to give to your mission. Lord, we're going to find people that we come into contact with. We're not just going to be Salvation Army penny droppers, Lord. We're going to find people. There are going to be people that come in to our, to our midst at, at a restaurant or neighbors that we meet that are struggling financially. And we're going to be the hands and feet. We'll sacrifice now because our mind is set on eternity. I thank you we're going to be a church that is all about you this season. All we want for Christmas is found only in the presence of Jesus. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, you five for me.